Hi, and welcome to Televox Talks. My name is Oskar Jelmstedt. Artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere in the conversation today. The public has gotten their hands on AI-powered tech, and the possibilities seem to be endless. But how will it affect us in our day-to-day lives, the way we work and do business? Well, one person that's really delving into this topic is Marlon Martinez, product manager at Numintech. I had the pleasure of talking to Marlon about Numintech's exciting AI project concerning quality management of calls and speech analytics, and what this means for the future of customer service. We also touched on Marlon's background in philosophy and how it has shaped not only his understanding of artificial intelligence, but also his worldview. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Marlon Martinez. Hi, Marlon. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Very nice to have you here. Super excited. Yes. And today's topic of conversation is AI for better customer service. Just to um, rewind the tape a little bit, Marlon, please tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do at uh, at Numintech? Wow, big question. Um, I've been 12 years in Numintech right now. Um, it's been a long time, a uh, lot of challenges, a lot of happy times, and many things happened. Um, basically, my work has been always close to the data stuff, uh, how to show data, how to save data, how to uh, share the data with the final user in order to consume this, this data. And... This is basically has been my job, and this has evolved for for this long time. Well, twelve years—that's uh, that's quite a feat. Have you always been? I mean, I guess you didn't start as a project manager. That's correct. When we started, we have a really big database, um, but it was a bit crazy to know where to find the data. So my first job at Nomintech was to start taking all the data and put it a layer of intelligence there and order a bit of things. So basically <clears throat> the work we are doing right now with all the team, it's thanks to the background we've did uh, 10 years ago, basically creating the core business where we can sa- where we can save the data in a smart way so if you've got the data well stored, then it's super easy to deliver this data in the format we, we want. Okay. But how did this work that you did then, how did that improve the lives of you know your customers or coworkers? Hopefully a lot. Um, and I can see the faces of the final users. And it's something I really like a lot to chat with. We've got some customers we, we can chat like, more easygoing, and when I have their feedback, normally there are two phases. The first one complains, and that doesn't work as I'd like. This color is not the color I'd like. Can we put this a little bit to the left? The customer thing. But when you dig a bit, and when you ask for a feedback, the feedback used to be amazing. Something like we've never had this before, and we are amazed of how this is done. So there are these two layers, and the good one is that they have like the chance to give me feedback directly, and I think that's a really helpful thing. So having this, this relation so close to the final user makes the tool also a lot better. Okay. And uh, just to um, 
explain a little bit uh, what is an IVR, for example. Mm -hmm. An IVR is a place where you can um, configure the call to do what you want to do. Basically, it's the way you can configure a system in order to follow the path you want to follow a form a call. So EVR is where the magic starts. Nice. And talking about magic, you know, I think it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke that said any advanced uh, technology is indistinguishable from magic. And what uh, you're doing now, it is kind of like magic. And uh, one of these projects is particularly interesting, and it regards AI. Tell us a bit more about that. Wow, that's the big subject, uh, the big topic everybody's discussing. And there are many layers there. So just to give you, give you some insights, um, we've been working in AI for four or five years right now. <clears throat> and we faced many, many challenges um, because the sales teams were trying to hook the customers, explaining AI stuff not in our in our business, but I mean everywhere we're talking about robots or um, conversational bots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that the technology was not good enough in order to do that. So we started to create a system to be rock solid because we were afraid that once we started to deploy or publish uh, this software, people were afraid to try it because they've been disappointed so many times that one of the challenges we've got is that, okay, we've got, we want to push the limits as much as we can, but not that much, because if we do it, the product will not be user-friendly. A good example for this is Google Glasses. I, have you ever seen that? Yes. Yeah, this, uh, this is a perfect example. This technology that is really pushing the boundaries is something amazing. All the geeks, we were freaked out with that. We want to try it. But at the end of the day, we couldn't use it because there's nothing to be used. So with artificial intelligence, we were really afraid of achieving that point, to being too far in order to have a, a product that is useful. So these four or five years have We've been worked in many layers. Um, how can this uh, put this in a way that this is a product useful? Uh, and this includes um, speed, this includes uh, how they consume it, this includes prices, this includes naming, this includes many, many things. And we're working on it right now. All right. And what does this software do? Mm -hmm. Wow, this is a very tricky question. Uh, I'll answer you in three or four uh, headlines. Uh, basically, with artificial intelligence, it's a new way of programming. That's like the headline. Normally, we program in a way we could say deterministic. Uh, if something is gray, then say hello. If something is blue, then say goodbye. That's the way it works. But what happens if I show you a green color? Then basically the software will crash. But what if we started to think in a different way? What if we take a big box and say, okay, everything in this big box is a cat and everything in this other big box is a dog. So you've got now a new picture and this picture is from a cat. So this picture will be taken by the machine 
by the program and will start to dig inside the two boxes and will say, hmm, this is a 60% um, uh, cat. So what that means is that we are starting to, not to the to program, but to train machines. We are training the machine in order to recognize something. And this can be expanded to every way of developing. So that's a bit uh, what artificial intelligence is and what we are working right now. Mm. But in our case, based in the world of phone calls. Okay. And how can that be applied? Hmm. Um, there are many approaches. Um, we've, we've created different layers in order to take advantage of this new technology. I think the most easy way to, to explain it is uh, you can have like tons of recordings in your system because your customers ask for us, please, uh, Telebox, can you save for us all this information? And of course we do it, but the question is why? Uh, the answer is for two perspectives. The first one, for quality reasons, because when you start to record things, somebody can go there and listen and say, hmm, okay, this agent is working properly, or mm, this is not working great, so these people, this person needs to be like, um, helped to work a little bit better. That's one perspective. Another perspective is to try to have like the keywords or the things we need in order to recognize when a customer is angry or is not angry. So we started to think, what if we could take advantage uh, advantage of something that it's not used at all? Because you're not listening to the recording of two years ago, uh, something that... I, I like to joke saying that it's having um, virtual dust because nobody uses it at all. So we created a program that goes record by record and start to create a transcription. And that's the first layer I'd like to share with you. Uh, the first point in order to start taking advantage, advantage of trans, uh, artificial intelligence is taking a bit a, a big box of words and say when you hear this sound you write down this hello text so now we are able to transcribe all the calls we want even in real time wow mm -hmm. that is really cool isn't it but okay so i'm gonna play the devil's advocate here i'm gonna ask you why do we need ai to do this can't we do this ourselves? Can't you have a support manager listening into the calls and then making his or her own decisions about the agent? We are a bit afraid of having uh, the machines starting to replace humans. The problem is it's not that uh, machines start to think as humans, but humans starting to think like machines. That's the big deal. And that's what's happening with all that stuff. Um, machines will never be able to do, to, to do what a human can do. Machines cannot be creative. Machines cannot have a spirit. Machines will never push the boundaries. Machines will never be able to be criticized with what's happening. So that's our goal. That's our business as a human. So regarding to your question, um, yes, people can go on hearing things and they should do it. Because machines will never be able to think, hmm, this agent uh, is passing through a really tough time and he or he needs real help.
machine will know that this person is sad or machine will know that this person talks too quick. Yeah, we can achieve that. Uh, but why people has to be like eight hours a day listening to audios for that? No, this person can do something that is really valuable. It's think about people. And now we got into some pretty big um, questions here. What are the limits of AI and such? And what does it mean to be human? But pretty, pretty philosophical questions, I'd say. And you have an interest in this. Uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, I, I studied philosophy in the University of Barcelona. Um, it's basically one of the loves of my life. Uh, and it's something I'd like to be like the whole day talking about. But related to artificial intelligence is basically the basics in order to start thinking and pushing the boundaries. Otherwise, we will be always inside of this um, um, analytic perspective. And we need to go further from that. Okay. But how has your background in philosophy influenced the way you work with this project and uh, AI? This has been a really big challenge. Um, philosophy for me, it's basically criticize whatever I know and always think beyond and always scratch the surface and always go further and further in any topic, uh, science, politics, uh, whatever. It's been uh, complicated because um, philosophy is not something that it's closed in, in, in a building or in a book. It needs to be shared with the world. What's the best way to share with you with this with the world that using our technology? And what if we can start to translate the way we think in a machine? And this doesn't mean that we are going to substitute the, our brains for a machine. Not at all. But what if we could take advantage of the technology in order to transcribe a conversation, in order to know the feeling of a person, in order to be able to predict when a customer is going to be have a problem? And this is philosophy too. It's love for knowledge. Uh, we know to, we want to know more. We want to push the boundaries. All right. Mm -hmm. So we talked a bit about how this technology can improve the lives of a customer support agent but as a customer how does it affect you what benefits can you see if you were to call into the company there are many advantages for a final user for a customer um, but we need to underline that the customer needs to understand what's happening and if we start to publish our artificial intelligence data as crazy it will be a problem. In our society, we have a big problem um, that we never had before. It's We've got too much data. So the best uh, thing to achieve the goal is to know how to share the information in a way the final user can take advantage and it's not a big problem. Saying that, the problem for us was to share the data and to know how to put the data in a way the final user can consume it. So once uh, we've achieved this goal, the customer will be able, for instance, to search for a word. And when he search for a word, he can 
find in the transcription the word he was searching for, even though it's past one year ago. Exciting. Wow. It touched a bit on the collection of data and how there's so much data out there. But in terms of this project, have you encountered any, let's say, legal conundrums hmm. when it comes to the gathering of this data? You know, GDPR, mm-hmm. all that jazz. How do you go about that? Well, that's a really big deal. And for us in our field, um, priority number one is security and having the chance to um, prioritize the, the data and knowing what that is important to save, uh, what data is able to share inside the companies. So that's a really big topic. Um, but there is a gray area. There is a gray area because we can start, for instance, to take a big transcription. And once we've got this transcription, we can know what are the feelings of the word, or we can take the waves of the sound and know when this is an angry wave of sound or when this is a happy wave. So is it legal to know when somebody is happy or not? It's not illegal at all, but there is a gray area there because somebody can take advantage and take all the people who is sad and start to publish for alcohol. Let's put it that way. So you can always do the evil thing when you've got a new tool. And from my perspective, that's personally, at least, I'm hoping uh, that there is a political um, new wave that starts to create a new legislation because uh, we are on track, in in a good track, everything is performing great, but uh, there will be always a time that somebody starts to using a knife, not for cutting the bread, but for harming somebody. That will happen for sure. So hopefully we will not enter to this uh, black mirror thing and our political helps us to legislate and put the boundaries where what you should do or what you shouldn't do. But sometimes they are a bit late. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It seems like that's always been the case. This is sentiment analysis, analyzing the feelings or the the sentiments of a call. But what other areas can this be applied to? What kind of other use Mm -hmm. cases can we see for this? Sure, there are like hundreds. Uh, I will put you some more, a couple more. It would be uh, having quality management perspective. That's one of the big deals we're working working right now because as I've told you before, we can have like... mm, keywords shown in a report, or we can have the transcription, or we can have the feelings of the final user, or the agent, or both. This is one of the things we are doing. But what what we've been sharing is that there is too many data. So if we put everything in a report, the final user will not be able to consume this data. And that's been really tricky. How we put, how we blend everything together, how we put it in a smart way, how we put all the KPIs in order to not be a really strange thing. The solution for us has been the quality management. Let's put it in an easy way. 
you want that your agent says the welcoming to your uh, customers in a specific way. They want your customers to say goodbye in a specific way. You want to offer the product in a specific way and with a specific tone and with some keywords. So you can give this, um, you can help your agents just giving them um, a Google a Google um, Doc and share how they have to, to talk. But you will not be able to know if they are following the right track. Um, this kind of a scripting, scripting things is super usual in the call centers, basically, because there are many calls that enter. You want to attend your customers in a specific way. So if you don't follow the script, the final user can have a bad taste of your company. So with the quality management, we are blending the perspective of the transcription, the, the, the perspective of the analysis and the perspective of the keywords in a way that the people who administrate the system or customer can see if everything is performing. Exciting. Really cool. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to hear from you how this um, will work out and what kind of use cases you're seeing and how it will improve the lives of you know, the, the work lives of both the customers and your the employees. You know, just uh, before we started this recording, I um, came across a site called uh, podcast.ai where uh, it's a podcast episode that is completely generated by an AI. So for example, it was uh, Oprah talking about how she, her ways of re relieving stress. There was also an AI generated podcast with Joe Rogan talking to Steve Jobs. So that's uh, one way to use AI uh, with voice. And we touched about this before when we were talking about some malicious intents for using voice and transcriptions. But uh, is it possible to reverse engineer it, to edit the transcription and get it the recording to say what the transcription says? Super interesting question. But what, what we're trying to happen is that something will be lost in this way. You've got a text and you want this text to sound like opera. And when this happens, you will find you you will get some text reproduced as the voice of opera. But what is going to happen is that something is going to be lost in the way. And this something it's non tangible yet, but as more as you put it inside the machine, more will be degenerated. So finally, you will see for sure that this is a machine. But depending the steps you are taking, you will see like that something that it's not something it's not working and you don't know why. <clears throat> a good example for this is that have you ever heard these mm, uh, voice uh, synthesizers that you don't know if it's a human or not? These are incredible. I mean, I'm really amazed for that. But there is no 100%, you are not 100% sure this is a human. It's, you are wondering, is this a human? Yeah, yeah, it's or not. This word is not said normally. So this is the kind of feeling you get when you work with something. Something, it's not 100% human. And the more you put it inside this 
artificial intelligent machine, the more is less human. So, of course, the technology will, will go further and further, and this gap will be uh, shorter. But at the end of the day, there's no spirit there. There's no criticism. There's no uh, new things. It's the same thing, put it in a different way. This is, you can try it in many chatbots, for instance. As, as, as you try it, maybe they feel superhuman. But if you don't do some tricky questions, you finally see that this is not a human. This mm -hmm. is not acting normally. It's not mm, scientific and neither technically, but the way I feel it is that, it's that there's no spirit there. But I have no technical ways to show it. But where will this tech, if we allow ourselves to look into the, uh, the crystal ball, you know, where will we be in you know, six months, a year? Two years? Well, that's mainly impossible to say. Um, based, uh, for instance, is this ChatGPT thing that has happened. Uh, and Google, that for me, it's one of the companies that is um, more powerful in that perspective. And now it's not leading the field. What's happening? Uh, it's basically something I cannot predict, um, but there are some tastes of some things that I wish they would happen. And one of the things that would be like crazy to see is how artificial intelligence starts working with the quantum um, uh, computing. Because quantum computing, um, if it's true what they say, uh, it's a whole new level, it's a whole new perspective. And one of the things that made artificial intelligence so delight, we, we had to wait a lot in order to see uh, how it really works and how it really solves problems. It has been because of technology and the power of the hardware. I was um, honored to have as a professor uh, in, in, my, in the philosophy fields one of the MIT creators of these uh, artificial intelligence machines, one of the first one. He was creating it in the MIT back in the 80s. And we were sharing that now it's working. And he was super happy because he told me, we created that thing, but we were not able to have a machine that were able to run that software. It was so hard. So... I talked to my teacher, to my professor, who was super amazed of how the war, how the hardware is performing. I show him one of the things we are doing in Nomitech, and he was mind blown and super happy to see his work starting to pay the price. That's so cool that you know you get to have him as a professor. Mm. And actually, he was one of the people who were. Um, inspiring me to create my final project in um, in philosophy. Mm. So we were working a lot together, like being till late nights, mm. uh, discussing how the project needs to go left or right. And I had the super luck to be writing my final uh, paper mm. um, with him. In that sense, I start to think, what is going to happen with quantum with quantum computing? Because if we've been able to develop this in 10, 20 years, what will happen with this game changer that will be this kind of... It's kind of scary because what's going to happen with these really big machines? Um, are we going to need political people? Because if you can solve many problems, why do you need a politician? 
or why do we need a police? Because um, if we can predict if a human is not happy and you're going to create a crime, <clears throat> why do you need the police if you can prevent a crime? And now, uh, yeah, I just get the thinking of uh, yeah, minority report. Yeah, that kind of thing is starting to... We're starting to see something that uh, happens a lot, is that uh, science is uh, the second chapter of uh, science fiction. So science fiction is one of the ways we are free thinkers. Because when you are in a, in a daily basis, um, some sales guy comes and says, I want to sell something gray. Uh, the gray color does not exist, let's put it that way. But I can dream in it, why not? That's where art comes, that's where uh, fiction comes, that's where literature films. So there is a whole bunch of things that help us a lot to think beyond our own frontiers. So being aware of that, you have to know that this is fiction, this is cannot be true. But maybe it's the field we must follow. I think we're gonna round off this conversation, but I want to get a little bit nerdy and ask about the data set. You've worked on this for a few years. When you get to use it for real, when it's out there and you have the beta testers, you will get some feedback and such. But when you train the, the software, what kind of data do you use and how does that how do you collect that how does that work well i will try not to get to dig too much in that um but there are different ways to train um one of the ways is basically uh, use nlp it's basically a way of understanding that this voice this audio is the same thing as an h and O and L and L and A, hello. Um, all that stuff, it's working in a way that you create a machine and you give them uh, hundreds, as much as you can of inputs and say, this is hello. So for instance, if you say good morning, good morning, it's a way of saying hello, being polite. You're not wondering in the, the real basis, you're not wondering, is this person having a good morning? Explain to you what's, what's your morning. This is not what we are trying to say when you say good morning. It's something to say hey, hi. So if we give the machine the ability to, to know what is what, he will be always wrong. So we need to say that this bunch of things are hellos or greetings or good mornings or goodbyes etc and this can be um, configured this can be um, tuned in a way that we can be as much close as we can as the culture the final user is using so the only difference for us is to store the data in a way that we can understand the perspective of the customer and answer it, answer it in the same perspective. One of the interesting things of artificial intelligence is that 
it is the result of many people thinking a lot for many time and those people are really really smart we are basically um, the sons of this uh, heritage and we have also some responsibility because as i told you before my professor this professor my teacher was working 20 years ago in that and now he's paying the price he was so happy uh, what what can we do to create a better world um the answer is that is using the technology somebody gave us and transform it in a new thing so we can create another new thing and we start creating uh, a better ecosystem of technology and wow i think uh, what we are doing in the last 10 20 years uh, in our company uh, but also in the world it's been crazy um just the iphone revolution uh, or the Apple um, new computers or the rockets of Elon Musk that are landing uh, with SpaceX. It's like science fiction, but it's only been 10, 20 years. So there's some responsibility, I think. Yeah, well, that really gives me some, you know, a lot of food for thought and, uh, you know, hope for the future too. Yeah, especially with this ecological crisis. Uh, it's one of the things I'm more worried about. Um, but also seeing how the technology is improving so fast. Um, Ten years from now, we had no solar panels that were efficient enough to to feed a whole a whole house. Now we do, and the cars. We are creating a revolution with the cars. Where everything is going to be changed in in a few years. So maybe it's not the the best scenario ever. I know that it's not a naive perspective, but I know that. All things are changing quite a lot, super fast, and hopefully this will go on. So it's super exciting to be part of all of that. Yeah, yeah, I could talk about this for hours with you. Yeah, I would be super happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was so cool to hear the, you know, to have both the relationship with um, the actual tech, and then then you merge this with the, you know, kind of. The philosophical perspective too you know there are so many implications to this and use cases yeah it's it's a whole new world and that's something that um our cto isidoro he always says that that as where you live in a world where all the fields are discovered uh, because you don't know you cannot discover australia or wherever because the world actually is super well mapped uh, our job is to discover new new fields uh, in the tech in the tech world. So that's how we discover things, like mm. pushing the boundaries uh, at the limit. So hopefully um, we can move on and we can start mapping, creating new geography, new maps, new whatever. And that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Our generation or where we're at now, we're too late to explore the Earth. Uh, maybe we're too early to really explore space. So what do we do in this time in frame? Yeah. Wow, this is a really interesting question because our generation has a big trick uh, because it seems that the boundaries are already created. But normally when this happens to me, uh, this is uh, analysis paralysis because you think you cannot move on. 
And that's something that really helps, helps for me a lot. It's like in the year 100 and 1000, uh, the half of the population died because of whatever um, infection. And now we've got so many tools to be healthy. And what can they think in the, in the year 1000? What would they think? The world is like this. God creating create the world as this, and we have today. We have to die. There's no other chance. Wow, there was another chance, a really, really big other chance. So that's why I think we should think in a different way uh, in order to stop this. There's nothing to be done. The space is too much. It's too big to explore. There are many things that need to be explored. For instance, lowering the price of reaching the orbit it's one of ten the price uh, we had before mm. thanks to this spacex thing so why we cannot start to think in moving some people permanently to moon for instance the world is 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 never enough <laughs> well and these are big topics big topics sure. yeah as i said we could talk about this for hours but let's uh let's round off our conversation here yeah and thanks again. So nice to have you here. I mean, all the way from Barcelona too. Yeah, you will super welcome to be in Barcelona when you want. So we can do an episode there also. Looking forward to it. Sure. Gracias. <laughs> Tag. Thanks for listening to Televox Talks. To find out more about how Televox turns communication into rewarding conversations, visit televox.com. More episodes of Televox Talks are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts.